something ridiculous like that. But uh, yeah, like, uh, like we said, my name's Pete MacArthur. And first, before we get started this morning, um, let me just say to the worship team, I, I really felt like those songs were just chosen for me this morning. I don't know, I don't know how many other, you know that the, the idea of walking into a place and just feeling that whatever had been prepared, even uh, a week or two weeks before, was just written specifically for you. And uh, maybe if that was you, maybe, maybe not, maybe something that I'm going to share this morning will just resound in your heart. And I really believe that God has something for all of us at all times. And uh, one of those times is right now. So just if you could uh, bear with me, uh, maybe lean in a little bit to what God might be wanting to say to you this morning. This morning, we're looking at the idea of Love Mondays. We've been doing it for the last three weeks. And uh, this morning is about uh, how to be the most valuable player in your workplace. Because I, I don't know about you, but uh, the work takes up quite a lot of our Monday through Friday life. You know, in fact, if I had to estimate, I'd say that about one third of my Monday through Friday is spent in the workplace. If you're a mum and you're staying at home or you're at home looking after a relative, it's probably more than a third. But, but for a lot of us in the workplace, it takes up at least a third. And then another third, if you're good, is probably spent sleeping. You know, if you're not so good, maybe a little less, but, but that, only leaves, <laughs> that only leaves one third left to fit in the whole rest of your life. You know, getting up, getting, re- getting your kids ready for school and getting them off to school or maybe attending a meeting in the evening or watching TV or relaxing or doing your ho- hobbies and all of that life gets squeezed into a little area. And so it's really important for us to ask the question and to keep asking the question, How do I get to a place where I truly find purpose in my Monday through Friday work? How do I find that purpose? Because all of us, if we're honest, don't really like Mondays. There are some Mondays that we don't really like. And so we need the Word of God to speak to us and to draw us into a place where we can say, God, I'm so looking forward to what you're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow is a Monday, and that means I'm in my workplace, and that means I've got an opportunity to speak to people around me. I wonder if you remember your first job. You know, for, for, me, for me, one of my first jobs was working for my father which is usually a terrible recipe for like family harmony. It's not a good idea to work for your old man. But, but for me, I was working in his factory. And like any good father, he had me doing the bottom of the heap jobs, you know, because it's like teaching you, right, to work hard. And so he had me labeling uh, his carpet mats. The factory was producing mats and uh, we needed to label them. And uh, I don't know if you've ever used a labeling gun it's effectively kind of, it's got a small trigger on it, and it's got a needle, it's about that long at the end of the gun. And the idea is that you put that needle through whatever you're labeling, pull the trigger, and then it will fire a little plastic label through the material, and it'll label something. Now, the problem is, is when you're doing stacks of these labels, you can miss the mat and get your fingers, which is a problem because you're getting more and more frustrated with the fact that you're in this manual labor task working for someone who you don't feel overly appreciated by and, uh, and you just hit your fingers and you just lose the plot. Well, the problem is when you lose the plot in that kind of role, you just hit your finger a second time. <laughs> you, just keep, you just keep doing it until you can get to yourself to a place where, okay, I just need to chill, chill out. But, but uh, even from young 
children, we're told by our parents and by high school teachers and by the rest of society that, that we need to find a job that we truly love. But no matter how hard we try, even in my role, there are portions of it which, if I'm honest, I, I don't really look forward to. I love my job. I love 90% of my job. But there's a portion that I leave to Thursday afternoon because, for a very good reason. And so we need to be able to get past that and into a place where we see purpose in our job. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you just feel like life has trapped you in a particular role. You've got a job and uh, it pays the bills and it keeps a roof over your head and food on the table, but you feel like the role has gotten a little dull. Maybe you're at home and you're caring for a relative or looking after children. And if you're honest, the days kind of just drag one day into the next, into the next day. And you're left with that question, how do I find purpose and meaning and add value to the place where I'm at right now? Perhaps you've even been out of work for some time. And the thought about getting back into the workplace is just a thought that's just a little too overwhelming. And you're wondering to yourself, what kind of value do I have to add in a particular situation? Well, if you're asking any of those questions, let me tell you that the character Daniel in the Bible is a fantastic person who has some real keys for how we are to function in a workplace which is simply quite dysfunctional. The workplace of Daniel uh, is a crazy place to find yourself. I'd love just to open up scriptures and just share a little bit with you this morning. Because Daniel was somebody who worked for a godless and ruthless boss. You know, we've all had bosses who are difficult in our lives. But uh, Daniel had one who was quite literally an oppressive, genocidal dictator. I don't know if, you, if in fact, if you have worked for somebody like that, don't put up your hand. and We'll, we'll pray for you after the service. God can, God can cover anything. But, uh, but he was somebody who worked for a godless and ruthless boss. His boss and his armies invaded Daniel's homeland. And his homeland in the city of Jerusalem was something that literally represented the presence of God. So for somebody to come into Jerusalem, to level the temple, to kill almost everybody, do crazy things to the ladies that, that were in that uh, city, and to take some of the young leaders away from their homeland was literally like they had removed the presence of God from his homeland. And so you can imagine the kind of resentment that's built up. And so Daniel was one of these people who got taken back to Babylon. And this is what it says in your notes, and it's up here on the screens. Uh, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. You know, Daniel found himself in a place where his workplace was far from ideal. But the interesting thing that has really captured me this morning is that, is that God's call on his life was not to fight against the force that had come against his home people. It wasn't to fight against the force. It was to help support the force and to add value in a godly way. So, so often we, we, we have an enemy that comes against us and, and our natural reaction is to push back. But God, the call of God in Daniel's life was not to push back, but to try and affect change 
in a place where God had put him, to add as much value as he possibly could within the authority that God had placed him in. And just as a side note, that authority started off really small, and God gave him promotion after promotion. But the call was to add value even from a low level into uh, that particular workplace. In the book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, uh, author Clay Scroggins writes this about uh, how to find your, what to do when you find yourself in that kind of situation. He says, each of us has a unique opportunity to create something right where we are. It doesn't require special authority or a fancy title or having the corner office. You might be saying to yourself this morning, if I can only get to this position of level of authority, if I can only get to this part of influence, maybe I can have a big uh, impact for God's kingdom. And while that might be true in part, let me tell you this morning that no matter where you are uh, in, in the kind of org chart of your organization, you have a special contribution to make right where you are. A few months ago, I was chatting to a friend of mine and he had just got this amazing job, or, or a job that he thought was amazing. And he went into it and found that it was anything but amazing. In fact, the, the workload that had been placed on him was uh, in one person what used to take three people to do. And so instead of going to his boss and just complaining and saying, you know, you've got to change something, he went home and he thought, okay, how can I add value to my workplace? And he, he came up with this idea. He said, okay, I'm going to go to my boss in humility and respect and say, listen, uh, this job is just a little too much for me. It's just a little too much. Would you consider giving the department an assistant to help out? And so his boss said, he went away and thought about it. His boss came back and said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that assistant you've been asking for, which he was over the moon about. But the really powerful thing happened after that. One of his co-workers said, you know, the person who had your job before you had been trying for years to get an assistant, and you just got it in one month. Let me tell you that in that workplace, Nathan was able to add significant value to that, to that workplace. He was really, truly able to make it a better place to work because uh, of how he approached his boss in an attitude of humility. And so uh, let, let me tell you this morning, that is, again, the story of Daniel. And I believe there are three keys that can help you if you find yourself in a situation where your job is less than ideal. The first key, I believe, that can really help us that from the life of Daniel is this, is to have courage with respect, to have courage with respect. Because the king has this dream, and uh, he's a little suspicious that his wise men, who have been interpreting his dreams in the past, have kind of been stringing him along. You know, he said, oh, you know, I'd like an interpretation for this dream, and, and he might have explained the dream to them, and, and then they've just kind of given just what he felt might have been a false interpretation. So this time he says, I'm going to raise the stakes a little bit. You not only have to tell me the dream that I dreamed, but you also have to tell me it's interpretation. And if you get it wrong or you're unable to do that, I'll kill you, I'll kill all of your families, and I'll kill all of your subordinates. Or just take out the whole department. And so that, that obviously makes Daniel uh, a little nervous for two reasons. One, that he knows that the wise men don't have a show of, of interpreting the dream accurately. And two, when they attempt it and get it wrong... He and his three mates are going to be taken out as well. 
And so he goes away and he just prays. He prays hard. When you find yourself in that situation, there's nothing you can do. I think the most powerful thing you can do is simply to go before God and just pray. Pray like your life depends on it. But he goes away and he prays really hard. And this is what happens in Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. So the plan is already in motion. They're about to face the chop. And he says, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret the dream for him. You know, the interesting thing is when we find ourselves in that kind of situation, we can either fall into one of two categories. We can have all of the courage in the world to march into the boss's office and just give him what's up. Or... We can have all the respect in the world, but not have the courage to say what needs to be said. You know, one of the keys from Daniel's life is that he not only had courage to go before the king, but he had the presence of mind and the respect and the honor, which just quietly was not even due the king, other than his position. He wasn't a man that should normally garner respect, but he went before the king with more honor and respect that was actually due. And he gave uh, his solution and saw something shift um, for him and for his department. So maybe, maybe this is you. Maybe you've fallen into a role in your workplace where, where if there's a complaint to be made, people go to you to make the complaint. You know, we've all got people like that in our workplace or maybe union reps or whatever, but, but they're the kind of spokesman for the group. And you've been making complaint after complaint, and you're just kind of wondering, I'm not seeing anything really shift. I believe the word of God for you might be to take a softer approach with more respect, with more humility, more honor, and you might see something shift. Or perhaps you struggle with the opposite, often showing respect, but in the back of your mind, you know that something could be done in courage to help see something move, to walk into your boss's office and say, listen, uh, boss, I think you're amazing. The way you've been leading our department has really seen us thrive. But here are a couple of areas that I think we could work on as a team. We need to be people who show, who have courage with respect. You know, one of the things that has really um, impacted my life that I kind of keep as a saying that I keep telling myself is this thought is that you can either have a big old complaint or a rant, or kind of be heard, or you can affect change with respect, but you can't have both. So it really comes down to what your perspective is, what your purpose is. If you'd really like to affect change, then there is more than one way to do it. It's simply just have honor and respect. Daniel helped save his entire department by showing courage and respect in equal measure. The second key that I believe that will really help you in your workplace when you find yourself in a a position where you need to add value is this, is to have charisma. And by charisma, I don't mean something that you've got within yourself. Because while Daniel was somebody to be looked up to, he did not have the capacity to see the change that needed to be brought. He had the capacity to be a wise man, but he did not have the capacity to save his people. Only God had that capacity. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 45 to 47, uh, this is what happens. He says, The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering of incense be 
presented to him. Then the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to uh, reveal this mystery. You know, Daniel didn't bring what he had naturally inside himself. Daniel bought himself as a kind of empty vessel, which then the power of God was able to fill and then uh, see things shift in the name of God. This is what it says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, Paul speaks to this very issue. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When you're going into your workplace, know that God's presence is filling you daily and He's filling you so you can be an influence in God's kingdom in that particular place. To the person who's going through a tough season, you need to know that, that pressure, and you might be even feeling pressure to change your workplace. You need to know that the change for your workplace is not on you, but is on the Holy Spirit working within you. And there is a very clear difference between taking responsibility on yourself and saying to God, God, I'm an empty vessel. Would you use me to bring change in my workplace? Here are some practical things that you can pray for if you find yourself in that difficult position. You can pray that God gives you clear guidance on what issues you should respond to. You don't have to respond to every issue, but maybe there is one particular issue that God will put on your heart and say, yeah, this is the one that I want you to respond to. You can pray for divine conversations with your coworkers. You can ask the Holy Spirit to gently lead you and guide you so that you might see uh, the struggles in your workplace from a different perspective, from his perspective. Finally, the thing that, uh, that really made Daniel stand out in, the, in his workplace is character. He had character. He had courage, he had charisma, and he had character. Daniel is the kind of character that, uh, that even though he knew that his actions would cost him dearly, he did them anyway because they were the right thing to do. Daniel was a man of exceptional character. We see this all the way through the book. And, uh, and, and later on in the book, when some people try and get at Daniel, they managed to convince the king, which at that time was actually a different king. So it's awesome for Daniel that not only was he able to uh, have influence with a few leaders, he was actually able to have influence with a string of leaders. Uh, for the kingdom, which is amazing in itself. But, but the, the other people in his workplace had managed to convince the king that if anyone was to bow down to any other god, that they would be thrown into the lion's den. This is what happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. What a man of impeccable character. Because if it was me, I would be tempted to think along the lines of, um, well, I don't have to not pray. I can still pray three times a day. I just, is it wrong to close the windows? You know? But Daniel prayed just as he had always done which was windows open and full view of everybody, even though he knew that the penalty for being seen was death. He took the costly decision. Let me tell you that you can successfully lead people in your workplace without having good character, but you cannot be a leader worth following if you don't have good character. 
And most of the time, character is costly to display. Most of the time, when it comes to a character decision, it's going to cost us something. But if we can take a lesson from Daniel's life, we need to take that. Even though uh, demonstrating character was something that would have cost Daniel his life, he chose to demonstrate it anyway, simply because it is right. Just as we, as we close, let me uh, put this thought before you. It's a very good teaching to come and say, listen, we can be like Daniel. That, that is a good thing to do. If all we take from this message is that in our workplaces, we can be people who have courage, who have charisma, who show character. But the story of Daniel doesn't end there. Because the story of Daniel tells us of a, of a world that is dominated by an evil king and his empire. A place where people are broken and broken people are continuing to break down other people. And it's a good message to say that, that when we find ourselves in a toxic workplace, we're to have courage and, and, and show uh, the Holy Spirit working through us and our charisma and to uh, have character. It's a good thing to say that, but ultimately it's not enough. Because ultimately Daniel died. And the king that he had influence with also died. And the Babylonian Empire went back to how it had been before Daniel's life. And so it's in our situation, we find ourselves in a place where we, we, there is almost like a God-shaped hole in our workplace. And we walk into those workplaces and we think, I could never fill that. The thing is just too dysfunctional. The boss is just too concerned with, with a particular area. Or I can't change anything. And in that situation, we can look at the story of Daniel and say, you're absolutely right. Because the story of Daniel doesn't end with Daniel. The story ends with uh, Jesus Christ coming on the clouds of heaven. Uh, it says that some person like the Son of Man would come and he would make all things right. He would sit down on the throne of God and everything that is wrong with the world at that point, would be made right. Let me tell you this morning, if you're in a situation that is difficult, it is not on you to fix that. It is not on you to fix that. It is on the power of God. So, so come on, church, can we be people who walk into our workplaces every single day knowing, God, I am just a, just a human being, but I am an empty vessel, and I am ready to be filled with your Spirit. I am prayed up on fire, and I'm going to walk into my workplace, and I'm just believing that breakthrough is going to come. Come on, breakthrough is for Sunday morning, but breakthrough is also for Monday morning. Come on, Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, it was not enough to do the right thing. He had to be an empty vessel, able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't know this morning that the change in your workplace is not on you, that God has promised to make all things new, that every injustice will one day be made right in the power of God. And that day starts today when every inequality in the system will one day be made fair through Jesus Christ. Every disability, He will turn around for the good of everybody around you. That's what it means when the Bible says that everything will be made new. As we close this morning, do you remember the rugby player Michael Jones? When I was a kid, Michael Jones was my hero. In fact, I met him one time. We were up in the far north as a family and, and I saw Michael Jones. He came to visit uh, the campground we were staying at with his mate, Ronnie Clark, who was also uh, all black at the time. And I remember meeting him and 
I also remember hearing that a um, that a, a reporter came up to him one time, and he said, "You know, you're you're a really hard tackler. When you see someone coming at you, you just cut them in half. You just put everything into that tackle. How is it that a Christian can be so intentional about putting people on the ground?" You know, I always remember he said, well, the Bible says it's better to give than receive. <laughs> hallelujah. So good. Michael Jones, hallelujah. I remember seeing him in the play rugby in the late 90s for the Auckland Blues at Eden Park. After the game was over, the rest of the rugby players were filing off the court, off the field. He, along with a couple of others, dropped to their knees and started praying, thanking God for the opportunity to play rugby at that level. You know, Jones captured something about his face, uh, about his faith in the workplace that has truly inspired me. And I believe it will inspire you because he was excellent in his play. In fact, he's in the rugby, uh, International Rugby Hall of Fame. But what set him apart was not just his skills, not his nickname, the Iceman, but what set him apart was his courage, his charisma, and the fact that he let the Holy Spirit fill him and that with the empty vessel that he was. And ultimately his character, making the costly decision to never play rugby on a Sunday. Ultimately though, God did in the rugby community, in fact the whole nation of New Zealand, what he could never have done on his own. He brought what he had to the table, but ultimately God used Jones as an empty vessel for the power of God to move, to set people free, and to bring them closer to himself. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Maybe uh, your life is quite far from him this morning. I'd love to invite you just in a very brief minute to pray a simple prayer with me. The truth is that God loves you. He made you. He's got a great plan for your life. And life doesn't always go perfectly. We all sin and we all mess up and find ourselves in a broken place where we are far from God. Well, that sin and that, those choices, they separate us from God. But God truly loves us. And His grace, He sent Jesus to die on a cross. And when He died, He took on Himself what you and I would do for our sin. He took that sin away and extends every day to us today. Forgiveness for our past, new life right now, hope for the future, and eternity with Him in heaven. And maybe even as the worship we're playing before, I know that I'm not alone. And you're wondering to yourself, well, actually, I do feel a little alone. I don't feel close to God. I feel like my life has uh, separate from God. Let me ask you today, would you just with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just pray this prayer in your mind along with everybody here? We're gonna, we're gonna just pray this quietly. I'm just gonna say it and you can just repeat after me in your mind with every head bowed and eye closed. You know that you need to pray together today. Pray in your mind. God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned and I believe that, Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and turn to you. Come and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name.
Now, with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm just going to count to three. And if that's you, I'd love for you just to pop your hand up. We'd love to see you, maybe talk about some next steps in the Lord. One, God loves you. He's got a mighty plan for your life. Two, He sees where you're at. And He's okay with it. Three, would you put your hand up now? Awesome. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we just thank you so much for everything you're doing in this place. Thank you that you have called us, that you have anointed us, and that, and that starting tomorrow, we can be people who are truly seeing God, seeing you move in our communities, in our homes, when we're looking after our children or maybe our elderly relatives, and everything that you've called us to, Jesus. Would you be there? Would your, would your Holy Spirit be moving and influencing in those workplaces? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, church. Can we thank Pete uh, for a great message this morning? Thank you so much. Just fantastic. Awesome. Some great, some great things there to take.